Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people. Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi dedicate this show to their deceased son and sibling, Scott, and to all of the parents and other family members who have lost loved ones before their time. Each week, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi and their guests will share stories of loss, hope, and renewal. Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Call Horsley with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. We want to welcome you to Healing the Grieving Heart. Healing the Grieving Heart is the show that gives support and advice to those who suffered the loss of a loved one and says, we've made it and so can you. Today our show is pre-recorded, so you will not be able to call in. However, you can email me and Dr. Heidi Horsley through our website, healingthegrievingheart.org. Also, remember that these shows can be heard 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, as they're archived on the CompassionateFriends.org website, as well as our website, healingthegrievingheart.org, and on Health Voice America website. Also, I'm happy to tell you that you can now download our show on iTunes so that you'll be able to listen to it uh, when you're out running or driving in the car or whatever. And also, uh, you can get CDs still of the first uh, ten sh- uh, well, the first couple of months of the show through the Compassionate Friends. Uh, they're located on their website. So we've got a great show today, and Heidi is going to introduce our guest for us. Great. Thanks, Mom. Our topic today is gender and grief, knowing our differences, knowing our strengths. And our guest is Tom Golden, licensed clinical social worker. Tom maintains a private practice in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Tom enjoys working with men, women, couples, and children around many issues, including loss, trauma, child abuse, and depression. Tom believes that healing work begins with the therapist providing a safe and non-judgmental space. He has a grief coaching business and is the author of Swallowed by a Snake, the Gift of the Masculine Side of Healing, and A Man You Know is Grieving, 12 Ideas for Helping Him Heal from Loss. Tom, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Thank you, Heidi. It's good to be here. Great. Tom, I was uh, wondering how you got into this gender uh, business. This is Dr. Gloria, just so we get all, all of our voices straight. <laughs> Gloria, thank you. Yeah, you know, I came in sort of the back door in a way. I started in a counseling center for death and dying back in the 19, late 1970s. And all of the therapists there were women. Ah. And so as people would come into the center, it was a fairly popular place, a lot of men would come in too, and any man who came in uh, would be sent to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I developed, I was right out of graduate school, and uh-huh. I developed a very large caseload of men because the women didn't want to deal with the men. Uh-huh. And I found out why real quickly. <laughs> You know, Ben, what I found out was that what I'd been taught to do in graduate school uh, wasn't working very well. Wow. You know, that is, you sit and face each other, and you talk about the past, and you talk about emotions. And if you want to throw a man into a situation where he doesn't feel safe, that's a good one to start with. Hmm. You know, so here I was, a fresh therapist, dealing with a, a large caseload of men, and I was asking them to to make eye contact and to right. talk about their feelings. And, of course, you know, the the bottom line for any kind of healing is safety. Uh-huh. Talk about that, safety. Well, That's interesting. you know, in our culture, uh, it's not safe to grieve in most places. 
You know, Compassionate Friends is like a shining light out there that gives people a safe place. If you've ever been to a Compassionate Friends conference, it's like people feel at home in some ways. And a part of that is because for the first time for many people, uh, they can be themselves and they can just grieve. Right, yeah. Uh, we actually, Heidi and I, uh, presented the conference. Yeah. And, so yeah. The, and it's a great place. The bottom line of this is that grief is basically seen as toxic in our culture and, and sadness is seen as toxic as if there's something wrong with it. It might bring you down. Is it, that what you're thinking? Not only that, but our culture values uh, feeling good. Mm-hmm. It values success, etc., and it does not value sadness. And doesn't it value men being strong sure. and not showing any kind of emotion and like That's a, a right. kind of weakness? That's right. You've got to okay. be tough and strong and, mm-hmm. and don't show that you're weak in any way. But it's not just the men who have this trouble. I want to make that clear from the start. Okay. Our culture sets both men and women up as not having very many safe places. Mm-hmm. And you can contrast that with a lot of the cultures around the world. There's one in Africa where when when someone dies, uh, the grieving person tries to cry as much as possible because they believe that the tears following a death are fuel for the person who just died. Ah. Now, there's a radical difference there, isn't there? I mean, yeah. in our culture, we, it's something we want to hide, but for them, it's literally fuel for the person who died. You know, it makes me think, when my son was killed and had his brother, um, when, when I stood at the coffin and people came through, mm-hmm. it was interesting because I remember feeling so depleted, and they would bring me fresh courage huh. when they cried, when they were upset. Yes, yes. So that would that would make it good for me because it gave me energy to keep going. Yeah, right. it normalizes it too. I mean, it made you feel okay. Yeah. Right. Or if you'd seen someone that had been through a loss and was still standing and it had happened, you know, a year or two or three or four years ago, that was gave me strength. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it, again, it kind of normalized it. And in some ways, when we see other people emoting strongly, it makes it safe for us to do the same. Right, and for men to be able to see that. Yes. With other men. It's got to be kind of amazing. For just about anybody. But, you know, which takes us back to where we were before, which is the whole idea of safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and in that culture, the African culture, it's very safe to grieve. Right. And, in fact, it's expected and it's desired and it's honored to be able to grieve for that person. And in our culture, it's the exact opposite. Are you seeing any difference? I mean, is it changing at all or I think real slowly, although we've taken a couple steps backwards. You know, it used to be in our culture that we had black armbands. Mm. And it used to be that we had bereavement stationery, where anything you sent out on letter uh, had black around the edges, which told people that you were grieving. And, you know, we had bereavement handkerchiefs, mm-hmm. where the, the woman's handkerchief was a silky... Uh, black and the man's was a flat cotton black but when you saw someone with a black handkerchief you knew they were grieving and what's fascinating is the woman's handkerchief the woman's bereavement handkerchief had lace around the edges mm-hmm. and the depth of the lace told you how long that woman had been grieving oh my goodness so in some ways we've taken a couple steps backwards because and the old idea of wearing black too right exactly, exactly. so and these were all things that helped people feel safe to be able to grieve. It normalized it. 
Mm-hmm. And also to giving the message to other people not that, to avoid me, but to take care of me. Right. Take yeah. my arm. And it kind of makes you special. If you look at tribal uh, people around the world, one of the things you find is they will oftentimes give something to the person who is grieving that marks them, that says, here I am, I'm a person in grief, kind of like the black armbands. You know, a lot of times it has to do with hair or it has to do with necklaces of bark. Bark is like a symbol, a universal symbol for grief because it's the outside of the tree, you know. Mm -hmm. Much like a part of us when someone dies, it's part of us has been ripped off. This outside part has been sort of sheared. Mm-hmm. But if we can get back to the the men that I was trying to... That's what I was going to ask you, Tom. If the traditional things didn't work in therapy, how did you... What helped the men? Well, I had to find out why it wasn't working first. And what I found out was that men are very, very different. And... Uh, I had been taught in school that um, we're all the same and that, in fact, uh, what worked for women was supposed to work for men, and I found out very quickly that wasn't the case. For instance, eye contact. You know, women see eye contact as a way to become intimate and to become close. But how do men see eye contact, do you know? Threatening. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because eye contact has to do with competition for men. (laughs) You know, when a man, think about it, hockey has a face-off, right? Right. And when you're a boxer, you face the other man. The whole idea of facing each other in masculine terms boils down to more competition and conflict. And so what you find is that women oftentimes will feel safe when they are face-to-face. Men, on the contrary, will feel safe when they're shoulder-to-shoulder. Because that's where men bond. That's why some of the best conversations happen in a car with you. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. The car or while you're doing something together. Okay. You know, my wife and I, for years, have found it very, very helpful to just have a koosh ball. And you know what a koosh ball is? No. One of those real soft balls. It's about about as big as a softball, um, but it's real soft. And in the living room, we'll sit in different chairs and we'll toss it back and forth as we're talking about a tough issue. I like that. It makes it easier for me to be able to talk about that issue if I'm sitting there tossing the ball. Mm -hmm. If we were face-to-face, it'd be much harder. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. And so what I had to start doing was looking at, A, I'm making these men feel unsafe with the eye contact Mm -hmm. and with facing each other, and was talking about the past. And then I had to figure out, okay, well, what does make a man feel safe? Mm-hmm. And so I had to find out, okay, what do we do? And so I started studying uh, the tribal cultures around the world. You know, there's a tremendous amount of information about grief. Tribal grief gives us a lot of information about the ways men and women differ in the way they grieve. And one of the things I found when I started studying all this, when I was at St. Francis trying to figure things out, I found that the tribal people will always give men something to do following a death. They'll give them some activity that helps them connect in with their grief. Women oftentimes will be given activities also, but more importantly, the women will be given a place to emote with someone or with a group. And... So I started thinking about that, and I started realizing that 
men will tend to connect to their grief through an action of some sort, mm-hmm. oftentimes. And I started looking around and watching uh, the men and the way they connect with things, and I started realizing that that's where men feel safe. Men is in the safe doing, huh? In two places. One place they feel safe is in doing something, mm-hmm. like the koosh ball we talked about before. And the dr- it's through drumming, the action right? that we feel safe in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the other place is withdrawal and isolation and pulling back. Right. And these pair precisely with the old fight-or-flight idea. You know, the fight is mm-hmm. when you pair your grief with action in some way. And the flight is when you pull back to be able to process in a safe and quiet place. And importantly, we've found out recently that uh, women are very different from men in their processing of grief. And what we found out was in the year 2000, Shelley Taylor, a researcher out at UCLA, uh, did some research, and she found that all the stress research prior had been done mostly on men as subjects. Mm-hmm. So she turned around and did research only on women, and guess what she found out? What? She found out that when women are stressed, they, they don't fight or flight. They, so, they, they reach out to other women. Exactly. And, they yeah, tend connect, and befriend. When women are stressed, they will reach out to other women, and they'll be drawn towards interaction. Mm-hmm. When men are stressed, they will be drawn towards action. And that is the first major difference between men and women in the way we respond to trauma and to stress. Well, and I think sometimes it can be frustrating for a couple when they're grieving because men will want to isolate and women will want to connect. I've seen it over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, the women will be frustrated with the man and they'll say, he's not really grieving. You know, he's not really grieving because he's not talking about it and he's not connecting with his emotions, and he's not processing the past. And the man looks at the woman and says, oh boy, she's overdoing it. You know, because his way is to pull back sometimes and also connect it in with action. So what does our audience out there do about it? I got, I'm got i newly bereaved, and I've got a husband who won't talk to me, and uh, I want to talk about it. What do we do? Yeah, you know, the first thing is that Everyone needs to learn how to love each other. <laughs> you know, and a part of the love during a grief response is to realize what our spouse's gift is. Uh, you know, we all come in with a gift in how we're going to deal with this tough thing called grief. And everybody's got a very different gift. And if we can only see our spouse in terms of the gift they may bring in how they heal themselves, it may make it a little bit easier to, to see it. And once we see it, maybe we can start to love them in a little different way. So maybe the gift of a woman is reaching out and, and not so the family doesn't totally isolate, and then no. and the gift of the man is helping her not to reach out too much so that she doesn't get too tired. Could it be uh, like that? Or I tend to think that the gift is in figuring out and accepting our spouse the way they are. Mm-hmm. If they don't talk so much about it, maybe we need to accept that. That's kind of the way they are. You know, it used to be that we'd see families in therapy for trauma. And, you know, this is like 20 years ago. We'd have, we'd make sure that everyone had their turn to express their feelings. And I think we're kind of turning away from that now as we realize that some people will process emotions just by listening. Mm-hmm. Kids, for instance, a lot of times if you're in a family and you're working with a family and, and the 
one of the kids will emote real freely and the mother and, and some sister, but one will kind of be quiet. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what's happening is the quiet little fella is processing his emotions by listening to the other people. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to go around the circle and everybody has to speak. We don't have to, to make him <laughs> openly, overtly grieve sometimes, mm-hmm. but we need to just check in with him and honor his different way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So really a, a lot of this is in seeing our spouse and our family as having a very different way of grieving and accepting them the way they are and not expecting them to be like us. So not not putting pressure on them to talk. Yes. Okay. In general. You know, I think it's probably a good idea that we talk a little bit about uh, the different ways that activity are used. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of a confusing thing for people and unless we give some really concrete examples of it, 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 it can be confusing. Want to do that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. That's okay. um, Eric Clapton mm. had a child yeah. die. Love, love his song. And what did he do? He wrote a song mm-hmm. about his son. And it was through the writing of the song that he connected in with his loss. So it's an action that helped him connect in with the grief. Every time he hears that song, I'll bet it touches a part of his heart that's connected with his little little boy. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's another one. Remember, his father died. Mm-hmm. His father was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember or not, but Jordan, uh, one year after his father died, um, they won the NBA championship, and he collapsed in the middle of the floor after they won on top of the basketball and was crying. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you know why he did that? The, the, was the game in honor of his father? Yes. It turns out he dedicated his entire season to his father. Mm-hmm. And every time he practiced, every time he played a game, every time they won, he was honoring his father in doing that. Mm-hmm. And he said later that he, no one would have ever known that he had done this except what happened was he collapsed after the game because not only did they win the NBA championship, which was a tremendous honor to his father, but they won it on Father's Day. Uh, yeah. And because it was on Father's Day, he couldn't hold the tears back and just go whoosh, they blew out. <laughs> so and in some ways, he, yeah. He's connecting his activity in with his pain for his father's death. It's very quiet. Very few people would know about it unless they asked him. Mm-hmm. And it's very different from coming up and talking with someone. But it's a valid way to process the emotions just the same. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talk about sometimes at Compassionate Friends is about service, and that they, in a way this is a service that they did, using their yes. talent to serve. Yes, exactly. And you don't have to be able to write a song or win a basketball tournament. You exactly. can do there's, something small. There's millions of ways to do this, you know, from scholarship funds to writing a small paper, mm-hmm. um, of writing a poem doing something creative. You know, my sister, after my father died, made a pillow for me. Mm-hmm. And the pillow was made out of my father's ties. Mm, I like that. That activity, that creative activity on her part, was obviously something she did that helped her connect in with the grief and loss of my dad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this whole action thing is not just men, by the way. You know, men use the female modes and women use the male modes. It's not like this is all one-sided. Mm-hmm. It's not like we can put women in one pile and men in the other. We all have a blend of this masculine and feminine, but it's a matter of how much of each we use. 
Mm-hmm. Now tell me, uh, why is it that men cry less uh, than women do? I mean, it seems to me maybe that's a, a gross generalization. But... No, it's not a gross generalization at all. I, I think it's very accurate. And the reason is that men and women have uh, different brains, and men and women have different hormones. Mm-hmm. And one of the hormones that we have that's different is one called prolactin. And it's a pituitary hormone that usually is involved in breastfeeding. But one of the other things it does is it has to do with our access to emotional tears. And the more prolactin we have, the easier our access into these tears. The less prolactin we have, the harder it is to cry. So guess who has less prolactin? Mm -hmm. The men. The men have much. Pardon me? (laughs) No doubt the males. (laughs) Yes, they have much less prolactin. What's really interesting is that the little boys and girls uh, have about the same levels of prolactin until they're about 12 or 13 years old, and that's when the boys lose their connection. Tom, uh, before we get to some emails, um, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about a grief coaching business. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what I found was with the advent of the Internet is that um, I can see people in my office uh, via the phone. And so, you know, a lot of times when I go out and do workshops around the Mm -hmm. country, people will say, well, you know, can I call you sometime? And uh, that's what happens. You know, people will call in and we'll spend a session on the phone and uh, so it allows me to kind of touch base with people all over the country. That's great. You know, uh, with the grief, uh, there's sometimes really practical questions that need to be answered. Yeah. You know, it's not just uh, theoretical. Uh, There's sometimes very practical things that people need to um, discuss or want to, you know, bounce off of somebody. So how would um, our audience get a hold of you if they wanted to um, maybe... Uh, have you do some coaching with them? Oh, they could go through my website, webhealing.com, or they could call my office, which is 301-670-1027. Great. Okay, and you can also email us through org if you need to get, if you forget that. But he has a fabulous website that we can talk about later. I, your website is kind of, you are so generative. I, I am very impressed because Tom lists all these wonderful people that he likes, that he works with, and these organizations and things that are involved in the grief business or, or just grief counseling or good information anyway. And you also have a place where people can post stories too, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really fascinating website to go to. Why don't you give it to him once more? Yeah, it's webhealing.com. Great. Thank you. Okay, Heidi, do you want to go over some of these emails we got for Tom? Sure. Let me start with um, Betty from Los Angeles. She emailed in a question. She said, I am married to a man who doesn't cry. I am a very outward, expressive person, and he wants to keep everything very quiet. It has caused us a lot of problems since our son died. Yeah, we have two people who are probably processing things in very, very different ways. And she may have lots of prolactin, and he may have very little. Mm. Now, what's another thing about men and prolactin that's interesting is that as a man ages, and as a man gets above 50 and 60, his prolactin starts to come back. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times for men, as they get older, uh, they get more in touch with their tears. Mm. Uh, But obviously this gentleman probably is not. And, you know, men are at a tough spot because our society tells them, too, don't cry. I mean, it's... Big boys don't cry kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that do cry then get shamed. 
Mm-hmm. So men are in a pretty tough tub- double bind about you know, crying and dealing with strong emotions like that. So, you know, I I can commiserate with her position and the difficulty. And you know, so many times women will feel like uh, that there must be a lack of love for the person who died if there's not that emotion. Mm-hmm. And I would just urge her to check in with him on that. You know, a lot of times you need to ask the men, you know, is this, does this mean that you don't care? Mm-hmm. And that's when you'll hear them say, no, it's not that I don't care. I just don't have the tears. So they're crying on the inside. Exactly. Okay. I mean, imagine as a woman if you had all the pain you have, but you don't have tears to release it. That's the situation of men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let me get to the next one. Thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and also thank you, Betty. Yes, Betty, yeah, thank question. you very much. I appreciate it. Bill from New York, um, he emails in and says, Since my son was murdered, I find that I need to talk. I talk to anybody who will listen, and I know a lot of people don't want to listen, but I just talk. My wife says that I need to get a grip. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, you know, everyone's got a different way to heal themselves. Right. And if his way is talking, then we need to love him for that. Isn't that interesting? The first one was somebody who yes. didn't talk, and then we've got one who talks and talks. And there's tremendous diversity in people. You know, you're going to find men, some men out there, that love support groups. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the majority. You'll find a lot of men who hate them. But the important thing is we got to love the men who love the support groups, and we got to love the ones that don't. And it sounds like this this person would be good for a support group because maybe the wife is tired of, of hearing him constantly. Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah. It's too much. Maybe he needs to be able to talk to other people. He needs to find a lot of outlets. Now, remember, right. he didn't say he liked support groups. He said he liked to talk. Well, that's and true. And there's a difference. Right. You know, and... Uh, but I would I would see if she couldn't bless him for his different ways of doing things. And he needs to bless her, too. I mean, if she doesn't want to talk, that's fine. Yeah, and, and look for the gift, huh? There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, and thanks again, Bill. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Email. Yeah, Bill, we're with you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right with you, Bill. Keep talking. Okay. Right. <laughs> Call into the show, Bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, this one is from Sue from Phoenix. We lost a baby six months ago. Mm. That's tough. And for the first three months, my husband took care of everything. Mm-hmm. For the last month, he has been working late. I know it isn't reasonable, but I feel like he's falling down on his job. I'm not sure what's going on. Any ideas? Okay, I didn't get the connection of why he would be falling down on his job. What do you think she's meaning by that? Yeah. I think that he took care of everything at home, it sounds like, and now he's not home very often. Oh, okay. So so right after the death, he was very involved right. in kind of caring for and stewarding the family mm-hmm. and and what was happening around the home. And, and, and now he sort of disappeared. You exactly. think that's what it is? Yep, that's what it looks like. Huh. Well, it certainly is an issue that it would be good for them to be able to talk about. You know, one of the things she talks about, it, they lost a baby. Yes. Isn't there kind of a mother-baby connection, maybe a little more? Have you seen that? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. You know, a new baby? I'm just wondering if maybe she was uh, the baby was just born or something like that. Do you ever see men more connected, less connected, or kind of space out when when it's an, a younger child? Well, baby. again, you know, what what I've seen repeatedly is that um, after a death, women will tend to want to talk about it, and men will tend to get connected in with activity of some sort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe and it sounds at least partly like what may be happening. And 
one of the things you need to check out with this whole activity idea is we need to make sure that the activity is connected with the grief. Ah, oh, good point. You know, if the activity is not connected with the grief, then you may have an avoidance syndrome rather than something that's being helpful. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that's what's happening with him. I do think that it'd be worth their while to sit down and have a good talk about it, get a koosh ball and sit in the living room. And I was going to say, when you say an activity connected with the grief, do you mean like throwing a ball as you're speaking? What are some other things that people do? I mean, like, what, do you do that in your office? Are you throwing a ball as you're speaking? I do whatever people, whatever helps people feel safe. Okay. It's you know, and some people it. need a ball and, right. and, uh, and some people don't. Because I'm thinking of other activities to suggest to people to get, you know, so that men feel more comfortable speaking. Are there other activities that you would... Okay, now, listen to what you just said. Looking for other activities to help them feel more comfortable in speaking. Right. And so you're assuming that he <laughs> needs to talk about it. Well, you're right. And this is a woman thing, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because, this is the woman's voice coming out, Tom. That's what we need yes. on the show. and that's okay. I mean, that's where right. you feel safe. Right, right. But it may not be where he feels safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. And And speaking for Sue... You know, I think Heidi's kind of speaking for Sue right. while he talks. So that's yeah, great. That's yeah, uh, Tom, before we move on, we were um, going to talk a little bit more about one of the emails. And um, before we do that, I just wanted to uh, talk to you about your books a little bit. I know Swallowed by a Snake, The Gift of Masculine Side of Healing, is a very popular book. And could you give us just a little, a little thought on it or a little promo for it and tell people how they can get it? Well... That's very kind of you. I, when I first wrote Swallowed by a Snake, I had in mind to write a map for men, you know, because men like maps. Uh-huh. They like to be able to look at the map and go, okay, here's here and there's there. And that's kind of the way it's written. Uh, it's written as being kind of a map for men to navigate uh, the chaos and the terrain of loss is maybe the easiest way to say it. And a lot of men, I think, find that helpful just to have a map because it talks about ritual it talks about the basics in grief but it also talks about the gender differences and the way we uh, do things i love that you've done something for men because i i don't know it's just my sense that uh women are it's a little the world allows them a little more grief i don't know is that do you think that's true oh absolutely you know a man's pain is taboo in our culture yeah uh you you'll easily find that men who emote are shamed and for men to emote in public is, is very rare. There's very few safe places. The one safe place for men to emote is where? Where do you think? In the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's probably true. It's the, uh, it's the sports stadium. Oh, yeah. Men okay. can feel. They can get happy. They can get mm-hmm. sad. They can get dejected. They can get angry. It's like the full emotions can come out in a sports mm-hmm. arena. Wow. But that's one of the very few places for men. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So tell our audience how they can get a hold of your book. Uh, hopefully they can find it in their local bookstore. If not, they can find it at Amazon.com. And you can also buy it on my website, WebHealing.com. Great. And and also, I don't want to forget his other book, A Man You Know is Grieving, 12 Ideas for Helping Him Heal from Loss. That's great. Well, when we went to break, we were doing, uh, Heidi had read an email about a woman who lost her baby six months ago and uh, her husband's working late and he's... Uh, falling down on his job or whatever. But um, we were. Uh, Tom wanted to talk a little bit about oxytocin, which I'm thinking this baby, uh, this woman lost her baby, and maybe she has some hormone deals going on too. So can you talk a little bit about oxytocin for us? Well, before we do that, one of the things that reminded me of is that 
the uh, loss of a pregnancy is mm. the most potent hidden loss for women in our culture today. And I forget who wrote that. There was someone who was a researcher that put it out. But um, And the loss that's the most potent for men that's hidden is the loss of a job. Mm. Isn't that mm. fascinating? It is. But one of the uh, things that we hadn't talked about yet is the whole idea of oxytocin, which is another one of those hormones and another one where men and women have very different levels. And oxytocin is, as you said, related to breastfeeding, but it's also related uh, to connection with other people. Uh-huh. And they call it the cuddle hormone. Because when you get a boost of oxytocin, you want to go up and hug someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is when people are stressed, they get a, a boost of this oxytocin stuff. And the woman's estrogen amplifies the effect of this oxytocin. So when women are stressed, they will move towards others to interact. But when men get the oxytocin after they're stressed, guess what happens? They move away from others. Their testosterone negates the cuddling effect of the oxytocin, and they don't have that same urge to hold. Hmm. They don't have the same kind of urge to hold and be held. Same thing happens with sex. Uh, We get we get uh, oxytocin released in the bloodstream after we have sex. Mm-hmm. And the women get women the sense. Women like to cuddle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't right. want to do that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> the men don't get the same kind of effect from this oxytocin. That's interesting. So there's a lot of physical things going on that impact our differences. And even with grief, you know, there's the oxytocin, there's prolactin, our brains are just very different. The male brain is built to be a problem-solving brain. Mm-hmm. The female brain is built for different things altogether. So, you know, we have different gifts. We have different ways of solving problems. And the more we can honor our different ways, the better off we're all going to be. Great. Heidi, you want to read this last email, the the last one on our email list? From Will. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Brenda. Okay, uh, let's see, it says, My wife seems to have really gotten distance since we lost our daughter to a brain tumor. She spends a lot of time in our summer house. She seems to enjoy being alone, but I miss our intimacy. I want the life we have back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when he says, I miss the intimacy, what do you think he's talking about? Well, I guess sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was wondering about that, too. And that's not so uncommon, you know, because when women are grieving, sex is the last thing on their minds a lot of times. Yeah. And men, it's a little bit different. Now, what what is that about? Because I've seen that a lot. Well, you know, I think that uh, men will move towards sex in order to feel close. Mm-hmm. Women will move towards sex after they feel close. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. follow? Yeah. And yeah. so it's it's kind of a different way of looking at the same event and so for a man he wants to get closer by having sex a woman wants to feel close and connected and then the culmination of that would be to have sex right does that make sense yeah, yeah. absolutely so the cuddle cuddle factor comes in yes absolutely mm-hmm. he wants to he wants to get connected and close and that's the way that he knows how to do it right and and she, uh, what would you suggest to what do you suggest to people who are newly bereaved uh, about getting getting close and you know where they're going in different directions and do you have well, any thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, it's tough 
and because always people have very different ideas of what needs to happen. And the danger is that people will walk away feeling hurt, and they'll walk away feeling like they're misunderstood or not valued or any of a number of other things that are negative. Mm -hmm. And so the most important thing is that people sit down and talk to each other and explain what they want. You know, in a relationship, fighting over what you want is a worthwhile fight. Mm -hmm. Fighting over whether your partner is a ding-dong is not. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Pick your battles, especially when things are bad. With grief, we're already vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We're probably exhausted. And we're not in our best shape. And it's even more important that somehow we find a safe place to be able to sit down and talk about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you suggest uh, maybe people go to a group or go, go get some therapy or um, maybe go to, like, compassionate friends or maybe go to their minister or something? If that's what... If they need to. You're right, though. Not everyone wants to do that. Not everybody wants to, nor does everybody need to. Some people just need to sit down in the living room and throw the ball back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. So get a ball. Anyway. A darn ball and start, you know, checking (laughs) out what's going on. Uh, Well, listen, Tom Golden, I want to thank you for being on the show. You've been absolutely wonderful. And uh, give people uh, your email again, your website or whatever, so that they can uh, check in. I love your website. Give them that. Yeah, the website is webhealing.com. It's a great website. And also take a look at his book, Swallowed by the Snake, his two books. And... uh, uh, the Gift of Masculine Side of Healing, and a man uh, you know is grieving, 12 Ideas for Helping Him Heal from Loss. Thanks a lot for all your great ideas, and thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Gloria, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Thanks, Good. Tom. Thank you, Heidi. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.